Hello everybody, today I'm talking to Naomi Morris who is a climate justice activist from Uganda. We came in touch over social media, as many do today, and he really is so so passionate about activism that he continues doing it even though it is at a great personal risk. And today he's giving us a little bit of an insight what it's like to be a climate activist in a country like Uganda where very different rules apply. So in this episode, he's telling us what his activism looks like, the education he tries to bring into schools, and also what his hopes are for the future and what he thinks must change in Uganda and all over the world in order for him and other young people to have bright hopes for the future. What else have you been up to? Have there been any uh, Im- important actions that you've been taking part of? What is your What are you working on right now? Do you have any any specific projects at the moment? Uh, yeah, for climate, uh, I'm still working on my project, Climate School, because this is a project I've been pushing since last year in uh, around May. Funders are nowhere to be seen. We have been so much depending on donations. Donations that don't come in time. So sometimes so hard for us to continue with our work. Remember, I have another option where I move with textbooks. These textbooks, I use them to help teachers to continue to spread the gospel or the message within the school and their students. So we always move with the school, with a, a textbook known as Climate climate our changing climate and uh, this book is quite expensive because we are taking it to young people or young kids like 10 to 15 years or five yeah we start from five to 15 years but you know as the when they are young sometimes you have to make sure you take a book that is a bit strong with a very strong cover very strong page in a magazine form which makes it so hard for us to get it so one we get it at around 15 euros or 16 there so when when things became so hard the ukraine war also affected us somehow and uh, we decided to first chill the project because it was so costly for us but yeah that is one of the project is called climate school and uh, the second one is ecosystem restoration here we visit communities that are near forests and uh, we try to work with them to make sure at least we do some replacement on missing spaces in forests so that we don't lose the forest that we that are the only carbon things we have Mm-hmm. And uh, with uh, I've seen several posts of yours where you've been in schools um, giving presentations. Do you still currently do that? And whenever you do presentations at schools, how do you kind of approach bringing across um, the message about uh, different environmental topics or the climate crisis to younger children? What is your approach there? Yeah, uh, we still work on this, and uh, this is the reason why I told you that the war affected us so much, that uh, some things went up, like the costs for books, the one I used to get at 15 euros, they went up to 30, so I had to fast wait until the war maybe somehow freezes, then I go back and check whether the prices will go down each school I visit, I visit with, I go with my laptop and uh, I go with 100 textbooks 
I give them to teachers and uh, to students. But what I do, how to approach these young people, uh, I realize that they are always open to any conversation. But the biggest challenge with which always people do is uh, they make it so hard for them to understand the topic, the topic of climate change, because it is still new in Africa and uh, rock South at large. And uh, when you are trying to educate young people about it, you have to make sure you bring specific examples that are able that they are able to understand. Like when I visit schools, I start sharing my conversation, my story, because these people they know about the flooding, they know about the the sunshine, how hot it is. Like you make it so easy by. Uh, lowering the language you use. So for me, I always ask them, why do you move with a bottle of water? Because that is the example that I always use. Why do you move with a bottle of water? They tell me, because sometimes we feel hot and be like, we need to take some water. So, and you ask them, why do you, where do you think this bottle go after? Because we always have plastic bottles. Many, many students have plastic bottles. So I ask, what happens if that bottle gets old or when you are tired of that bottle, where do you put it? They give you answers like you are trying to ask questions. At the same time, they are trying also to ask you. So it is like a conversation and that's how I engage with them. So they give me answers that I want because someone told me like, yeah, sometimes for us, when these bottles get old and it's plastic because when you ban plastics, definitely it is going to end up either this dirty smoke or just toxic smoke is going to end up in atmosphere and some will end up in your body causing diseases like cancer. So I always tell them that this can't go any further. It remains with you. Even this, you always see uh, vehicles when they go to a petrol station, they get fuel. But where do you think that fuel goes after? Because in two to three hours, you find the same vehicle coming back for fuel. So I always make sure I give them examples, but also I move with my computer to show them that what we do, there are some young people who are doing it somewhere. So planting a tree is not a new thing, but how do you plant a tree? So that is the approach I use. I make sure I limit my language and I make sure the conversation is flowing. It is a question and answer in a discussion form. I, I personally find it's it's also really interesting to hear how in different places, in different countries, with different languages um, and a different awareness for the climate crisis, people have to find um, very diversified approaches to kind of um, conveying this these, these messages. And I think generally, that's a really, really hard task for maybe people who have no awareness for climate issues um, to kind of how do you, you know, introduce people because it's a very daunting topic. It's very huge and it can be overwhelming. So I always find it very hard to think about how do you introduce people who don't have an awareness. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I find that a bit challenging, to be honest. Yeah, it is challenging. That's why I always start from the specific examples that are visible, like within the room. Even if I enter any room, I first look at which example I use. Like you can't fail to get one. 
you know, climate crisis has yeah. caused a lot of impacts and uh, many people are moving with it, actually. So it is very easy to find an example that will start a conversation. The only thing you need to find is how are you going to start a conversation with these people who are not aware? Because you can't come and tell them Paris Agreement. They'll ask you, what was in Paris Agreement? What is Paris Agreement? We just hear Paris. Is it a country? Like, you yeah. expect a lot of questions, but to be fair and to make it easy for you and for the people you are trying to communicate with, let's say students, start with something easy. Ask them, hi, how are you? Who is coming from North? Tell us what is there. Do you guys receive rainfall? And that's how you are going to start a conversation. And they will tell you, you know, nowadays this, this, this is happening. This, this, this is happening. And that's how we are going to make sure these young people start taking action because they will know what are the causes and what are the impacts. But it's not easy, as you said, it's not easy. Yeah, um, but I I applaud you for that. Definitely anybody who is, um, I think education um, is such an important tool. And, uh, you know, it is always why should people change their ways or how will they know how to take action if they are not aware of different issues, the causes and maybe some solutions and also the roles that they can play um, in bringing about these changes. So, um I, I also want to ask you, because right now you're in Uganda, that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how, where you live, how is the awareness for the climate crisis there generally also in, in people your age or older, in, in adults? How do people think about the climate crisis? Um, because I think in different parts of the world, these words have very different meanings and very different perceptions behind them. Unfortunately, in my country, there are few people in my age that are aware of climate change because our generation, however much we we seem to be bright, like we adapt so quick, but this topic has failed to to sink in. Like young people are not aware of it. Even the community, when you go there, they ask you. For us, we are making money, and you are telling us to stop cutting trees. How are we going to survive? How are we going to take care of our children? Like people are using some of the biggest challenge we are fighting as a of survival. So the mindset still needs a lot of maybe, uh, I call it what? Like they need more, more education or they need more awareness about the topic. However, they see it happening, but some of them are saying, no, Africa has been like that. Uganda has been facing this for quite some good time because they don't have data analysis where they can see that things are changing every day. However much, yes, we are seeing drought at some times, but this time it, it is going from March to September. That is too long for us to receive rainfall. We used to receive in the middle of them in the middle of there in the beginning of there and in the end of there but today you find that seasons have changed sometimes it rains in the beginning of there and in the end of there we expect something it doesn't so they don't have that analysis and they are not aware that these things are exaggerating they are expanding so it is so hard to communicate in the community but we are trying that's why we want to make sure that we bring more activists in a fight
Yeah, I I find this is an incredibly uh, hard topic to even begin um, to to talk about because, like, let's say in Europe, people's um, awareness of the climate crisis is obviously a very different one, and then they often expect that in the countries um, or or the places like Brazil, Peru, or the ones surrounding the Amazon basin where we get a lot of products from, which are derived through. Um, um, practices that are destructive to the environment. People then often here in Europe say, um, "Yeah, people, people in those places, like for example, in the Amazon or in Africa, they just have to stop cutting down trees, or they should behave differently to uh, kind of sustain the environment." Whereas it's so interconnected that we, with our money, are directly, uh, or or with our demand that is created by different industries, are directly paying for the destruction in those countries. So it is so hard, and you can't just, as you said, it's a matter of survival. You can also not, without presenting an alternative, just tell people, "Oh, stop what you're doing now," even if it's environmental destruction because they depend on it for a living. So are there any things that the Ugandan government government or local communities are doing to present alternatives to environmentally destructive industries? Yeah, for Ugandan government, I don't see, but some civil society, some organizations that are, okay, some are government organizations, but some are not. They are just trying to come up with new solutions, like investing so much in biochar, uh, like setting up new transitions, but in a small scale, like they are starting educating people about it. I already see uh, conferences, events where they invite young people to come about climate change. Uh, for Ugandan government, for them, I don't, I don't see. But community, a lot of organizations are organizing tree planting campaigns. They are starting to to invest so much in organic fertilizers to make sure that at least those who know how to cut out farming can continue with their farming practices. Not like those days whereby people have been losing their land. People have been seeing soil erosion happening and they don't know they don't have any alternative to, to save it so right now uh civil society organizations are coming up with new ideas of educating communities to find a way of surviving but not also destroying our existing natural resources yeah and and what are some of the like the the ecosystems um, and the natural resources that can be found throughout Uganda. First, we have forests, beautiful forests. We have game parks, good one, worth visiting. We have, we have actually, we have mining centers, I call it, because we have gold everywhere. Like in northern Uganda, we have gold, copper, coal. If you want to visit, you can come, but people who visit, they end up uh, bribing my government to hand over license to mine those, like, those minerals. So we have mostly tourism attraction stuff like River, like Lake Victoria, mm -hmm. like game parks. We have all types, all kind of animals, species. We have them, but today, some of them have got extinct because 
deforestation is on rise and uh, sugarcane plantation is also on rise and the only way for them to continue is earning money actually from sugarcane is by planting more and because of that that's why we are losing a lot of forests because they are giving them out because sugar is now at a high price in different countries actually even this sugar is not sold in uganda it's sold in different countries so natural resources are at large they are all under attack even landowners are also losing their lands because when they discover you have minerals definitely they are forcing you to sell the land yeah um you recently also posted about um, the gold that was discovered and um in that uh in that post you wrote beneath it something like dead now we're dead so <laughs> would you like to explain what exactly happened there who found gold and where and what that means in your opinion uh, right now for uganda and for that ecosystem where the gold was found yeah actually gold was discovered in in northern uganda and this gold the biggest challenge with this gold why i said we are now dead is that they are going to make sure whoever is going to challenge this mining that is the first thing the second thing we have countries that are demanding us a lot of money now you can't tell me we have gold worth 12 trillion and countries like United States that are demanding us billions of money, countries like China that are demanding us billions of money, they are going to just stay there and keep quiet. They are going to come and start to set up conflicts. That's why anytime you should expect something like war or conflicts concerning gold mining, because these countries are demanding us a lot of money. And in the end, whenever there is a war or there is a conflict that isn't resolved, definitely it is we the civilian that are suff that will suffer. Like where gold was discovered, area has people, and those people they will not benefit. They are going to be chased away. We have seen this happening in Western Uganda. So what was like what's new? We have seen people, activists being brutalized activists some are forced to go silent others have been killed so we are we are aware of what has been happening and we expect more of that because we have now the biggest gold metric tons of gold in the world we are the one owning the biggest metric tons of gold in the world so yeah we expect a lot of investors to come in and when they come in First, they are going to buy off your land if it is where they have discovered gold. Second, they are going to challenge whoever challenges the mining. Third, they are going to brutalize whoever insists. Fourth, they will arrest people. Fifth, people are going to lose their lives in that mining center. Yeah. Um, and I think that so the the situation is is so bad because obviously as you said the people who are in that area where it's going to be mined and the ecosystem the animals is going to suffer most and that people realize that you can't say to people in that area you know um you must stand up to those corporations or if you are going to be mining there to feed your families uh, you must stop that because obviously it is 
mostly let's say western industrialized countries who come in there with their huge companies and then start mining there and make the money off it and us many people in 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 europe australia united states and so on i mean we buy that gold if somebody goes out and buys something made of gold you know where do people think that comes from it comes from those areas where the gold is found and so i'm always thinking about that that you cannot um expect that to stop the the demand for for different minerals or for let's say beef or or other products that are derived from very destructive industries that that will stop if if you know western industrialized countries don't stop demanding those and don't stop paying and investing in those things um you know many people around here also say you know to make your money safe you know invest it in gold or buy gold but what are you funding with that the destruction of entire ecosystems the brutalization and and violence um and killing even of activists and things like that so it's it's all so interconnected in this globalized world and this is definitely um a very um hard issue to face and you yourself um have been uh physically threatened before you had your phone confiscated i think and when you were protesting for climate action your twitter account account has been suspended um after a television appearance where you um, were um, uh, opposing industrial logging in your country so how how is that for you what kind of danger have you personally been in uh for for um I'm speaking um, out on climate action. Yeah, a lot has been happening, a lot is still happening, and uh, I don't know who will support me one day maybe to relocate and leave this country in peace. Otherwise, without that, I am aware, I'm aware that one day I'll lose my life in this, because today I've been, I've been trolled by unknown people who call themselves policemen looking for me for just talking about East Africa food oil pipeline. And this started in March when I, when I went and organized a global strike. You know, there was a global strike and even as Fridays of Future Uganda, we had to do something. So we organized a strike at school where I had a chance to speak to students about oil, and gas. So they saw my pics, my videos when they were saturating. And I think that's why they started looking for me. Actually, they never told me they were looking for me because of that. But it was from that day that they started looking for me. I had to leave home to start staying with my sister for my safety. And this has not just started, as you said, in 2020, September, they banned me on Twitter. Uh, in 2021, in March, I was arrested on street when protesting. Okay, it was a peaceful demonstration on climate injustice with my brother. They confiscated my phone and my cardboard. And this kind of stuff continue, and we don't have security. Today, I may be speaking, but they may be even spying on me. And, uh, I don't, I, there's no safety in my country. But that's, that can't stop me from speaking about doing what I'm supposed to do. Only thing I need is maybe immunity and safety, but it is hard to get. However, my people say there is protection for activists, but we don't see the protection. Is it then for you, do you think the people who are 
who are trolling you or, or following you, is it from both different industries and government or do you have any idea what type of people um, they are that are threatening you? These people are, I think they are from government because I don't, I don't see anyone who has power to troll me, like to look for me. I have, I'm not a criminal. Uh, what gives us, what gives me hope and believe that it is a government It was in 2020 when they suspended my account. That was a sign that, yes, they are the one even today, because they are the only one who have ever tried to silence me. If I don't leave this country, then I have to choose either my life or activism. Mm -hmm. So um, you see that there is a chance if you continue with activism and if you continue speaking out, educating other people and taking part in climate action, that you will potentially um, be killed at some point. It is possible because we don't know who are the people following us. Who yeah. are the people following me as me? Like, I don't know. I can be moving somewhere and uh, they set up an accident. It is possible we have seen many people losing their lives. That is Africa. And it is normal. When you die, you die. No one will look for you. So um, when did you start with really getting into activism and engaging in climate action? At what age? Uh, currently, I'm 24. I celebrated 24 in March. And uh, I started this in 2019. I don't remember. Was I 21? <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so at that point, you um, did you at that when you started, were you realizing that if you continue doing this and if you start putting yourself out there and engaging in climate action, that you will be in real danger? Did you realize it from the beginning? Yeah, I knew this. But the biggest challenge was I didn't know that even climate activists are being brutally or are being threatened like political activists because we are two, but we're working in two different sectors. For political activists, many have been murdered, many have been arrested, many have been, have been like kidnapped and up to now we don't know where they are. But when I joined activism, everything was smooth. I, I, thought, of, I thought about it. But I didn't see my friends who were doing it receiving threats until I realized that they always been, like point out one person to track. Like they first analyze who is our enemy, who is trying to expose us so much. So maybe I was the one. That's how they started trolling me. But in the beginning, I was aware of the threats that activism activists go through when they, they cut out activism in my country. So for climate, I thought it was it was okay. But for politics, politics has gone far away. They always kill them. So um, are there any actual laws in your country um, about um, not being able to engage in certain political actions or activism? Are there actual laws? Or if they realize that somebody is trying to expose something or, um, or, or trying to raise their voice about something, they just go after you without any uh, laws in place? Um, or how, how is that? 
Yeah, in our constitution, we have the right to speak and uh, we have freedom of speech according to our constitution. We have the right to peaceful demonstration. So it is free, like it was granted to us. But again, when they see you challenging uh, their leadership or their bad or dirty games, they look at you as an, an enemy because for them, they frontline money more than everything. But for us, we don't believe in that. We believe in protecting our existence, creating a better future for our children, also making more money in sustainable solutions, because there is money, and, uh, and a lot of young people have studied up about environmental management, so they need jobs. But where are the jobs? Yeah. Instead of creating jobs, again, they're destroying what can create jobs. So. We are trying to challenge them that, yeah, green transition is possible. We can save green economy, but we cannot get it when we are still investing in, in pipeline, oil, and, and gas. We are, we are investing in, uh, in mining. We are investing in, like, stone quarrying. There are a lot of things happening in Uganda, and we'll be like, oh, really, this is happening. But we can get out of money in tourism attractions, the one we have got because people always come just to look at our logs to take pictures with animals why don't we protect the animals that can bring more money because we don't feed these animals they are the one looking for their own food and in the end we get a lot from tourism now if we can't get that money how do you tell me that the money you are getting in mining is going to sustain all of us when we have uh, uh, the highest number of corruption in a country. Like yeah. almost seventy percent of our leaders are all corrupt. So the money doesn't even close the room where it has been shared. So in the end, we don't benefit. So you're saying that actually there are many young people um, who are now um, skilled in in environmental management and quote unquote uh, green jobs, um, and they're not finding work because mostly the industry in Uganda right now is made up of um, of let's say the the dirty destructive industries. Yes, we have a lot every year, every year over at least. 2,000 to 3,500 students study environmental management courses and they don't get jobs. That's why when you see me organizing a tree planting, you see a lot of university students. Why? Because they are, they are in, in the sector already, but they don't see jobs. So joining me on my activism or my activity which I organize is the way for them to start their own life after university. Yeah. And so how exactly then you, um, if you don't mind me asking, how do you sustain yourself with engaging in so much activism? Yeah, it's quite hard. It is a bit hard, but you just have to find out making connections. Today, I met you still on Instagram and uh, you can support me if you are interested in my activism or my activity that I carry out. So that's how I sustain myself. Like people see my work and be like, Maurice, I can support you with this. But many times I've applied for grants uh, to continue with my work. And uh, I receive rejections. Like I'm rejected many times. My proposals, my, activist, my activism, uh, my activities that I carry out, 
they are not worth supporting. That's what uh, I already received. Like, unfortunately, we cannot grant you this because you have received a lot of application that have good projects. And you'll be like, okay, yeah, you can you can frustrate me, you can reject my proposal, but once I get even if 300 euros or dollars, I will do something. Because for me, what I prefer is taking action other than just saying, words or speaking every time every time when i get money that's what i do but i get this money from individuals that see my work and be like yeah Maurice, we can help you we can do this that's why i always make friends like i have friends i take my followers as people not as robots that are responding to my posts so i decided to respect that the people i'm feeding they have heart they are they are feeling the stress they are broken they are human, they go out for vacation. Like, I understood the way life moves, and that's how I make friends. And through that, I managed to get some, some penny to continue with my activities. So right now, the way you also sustain yourself in your daily life is mainly donation-based by individuals who decide that they want to support you and your activism. Is that right? Uh, for activism... I get through donations, but for my life, I've been employed for over, this is my third year as a, a part-time technician. I'm a, I did IT and computer science, the diploma in 2019, that's when I finalized. And uh, I got a job as a CCTV technician where I do monitoring on whatever is happening on site and uh, I send a report. So that has been my job. Mm -hmm. for the last two years, even this year. But sometimes, you know, when you have events, you have to apply for a leave. Sometimes you are fired, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but yeah, I always keep trying on another way. But I haven't resumed because I've just come back to Uganda. But once they fire me still, I can't help survive. So. Because, I mean, you've been at many, at many different events around the world. Um, and have traveled uh, to take your activism to other places, right? Yeah, I went there, I was invited. You said you've been fired from work before because you had to take leave or, or go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I have to explain a lot to get back my job. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's just really crazy. And I have to say, you know, all the struggles that you're facing and all those issues, especially if your own government is uh, trying to silence you for speaking out about environmental issues that are more grave than ever. And that puts a whole different meaning and weight behind that, because I mean, here i'm i'm in germany and here i mean you could sit you could sit out on the street all day long with a poster and uh you know stand in front of the 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 chancellor's offices if you wanted and you know say whatever you you want to say and you know that the government will not you know harm you or come after you and i think you know this fundamental right of actually being able to practice freedom of speech uh is just you know if, if that is taken away that makes this entire situation just so so much harder so how how do you cope with it i mean sometimes because all you're trying to do is do your best to just do your part in the climate crisis that is a danger for for every person, every animal, every living being on this planet. 
um, and you're being kind of criminalized for that without being actually a criminal. How do you cope with that? How do you deal with this? I'm telling you, uh, this kind of person, like, uh, I always burn out, I always feeling a lot of stress, fear, grief, anger. Like, I always cry. Sometimes I'm in my room and I'm like, was this worth joining? Like, then even the friends, I always reach out and ask them, please help me. Sometimes someone can be there for you for only one week, two weeks, then they disappear and they stop talking to you. Like, they see, like, maybe you are also stressing them. Like, so it's not easy. It's not easy being activist when you don't. You don't, you, you are going through a lot, like security wise, safety is not well, like everything is hard. So I always, I always feel the pressure, the pain, the yeah. fear, but when I sleep, sometimes I wake up when I'm okay. So yeah. that's how I move, but it's hard. It's not like in Europe where you can sit, you can do anything, at least. You have internet, you are not going to stress yourself and be like, yeah, I need Wi-Fi, I need Wi-Fi, I need data. So yeah. every time you need to have money so that you can attend such uh, like podcasts or what, like every time to keep yourself in activism, there are a lot of things you need that, are that keep adding stress on you, but yeah. you have to bear with it because that is Africa. We go through a lot to grow. So. Yeah, so I will definitely also put the link down below in the description to your Instagram. Do you have a you have a GoFundMe or something like that? Yeah, it is there even on my IG. You can find it. Okay, so I will also put that down below. So for anybody listening to this who um, either, you know, can respect how brave you are and wants to support you or who is in activism themselves, who is fortunate enough to be in one of those countries where you can speak freely and not be in any danger for partaking in activism. If anybody wants to consider um, donating a little bit, um then i'll leave that down below so so people can support your work if they're listening to this and um they feel like they can and want to um but generally right now i mean if you if you could go anywhere uh, right now and live anywhere and continue your activism there where would you want to live do you have an idea uh right now i wanted to go to any country that speak English, but uh, I was trying to apply for a scholarship in German, and they told me uh, I would need to learn German first, like it's a lot, and uh, there's a lot of courses that you need to first accept, you need admission, like it was a bit a lot, and you're not sure if they will give even the, the slot for you to study in their university. But for now, I only have maybe a U.S. visa. I can go to U.S., but I'm not sure where. <laughs> but yeah, that's how all. long could you go to the U.S. with that visa? It can. I can be there for two years, up to 2024 May. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So is is that something that would be um, a a possibility for you? What would what would you need to be able to? Uh, relocate to another country or possibly the US if you already have a visa? 
Uh, maybe the first thing is to find where to sleep because it requires. I was there. I was there, and uh, I said the cost of living. Maybe you need someone who, who is going to host you or to help yeah. you with basic needs first. Then, then you have to get another visa for if you are going to continue with studies. Then you have to apply for a student visa. Yeah, but for living, you can be there with if we have someone who can host you provide you with food and other stuff but yeah. only that because once you don't have where to sleep then you can't be in us trust me it is yeah it is hard i was there and i saw everything i'm like wow that those things always make you realize you know how for example also for me you know often we think that we have so many problems but if you then listen to other people's stories what they have to go through it you just you know recognize always so much more uh how fortunate you are and i mean not that i ever take anything that i have for granted but i think it's really you know just sometimes looking at the bigger picture and looking the the struggles that other people have in life they really you know put you in your place and yeah. let you reevaluate um how you think about life and the chances you have in life um so what what now kind of climate related for for the future um in the climate crisis what is your outlook on that are you optimistic are you hopeful hopeful future will be hopeful if if some things are put in place like the financing of maybe the pipeline the mining the money they are investing so much in those projects if they can turn them into sustainable projects because we have seen this today young people being activists is like a career and uh, it is making some activists to be happy in life so if we had invested so much in a, in a sustainable development goals do you know how many young people will be owning organizations how many young people will, not, will be actually busy like the way we see last week or uh, two weeks back uh, i saw protests in uk young people were crying for salary wage and i was like wow if we had given them money to invest in their project or if we had set up industries that can provide them generational jobs that are not going to end today because when you mine they say fossil when you continue investing in fossil it has expired date but if you invest in saving our natural resources like forests you have tourists all over the world that are going to give you money and in this there are people who are going to be employed. Only those who are protecting the forest will be earning, leave alone those, but there are some who are just taking care of the forest, apart from protecting, but there are some who are only taking care of the forest. They will be earning. Also, when you look at the energy project that they are investing in, at least let them start setting structures. Like today, I'm fighting graphite mining. In, in Uganda, and I'm asking if graphite can help us in producing solar panels, where the structures that are showing that this graphite is going to make these solar panels to be available for all Ugandan citizens or for that region that is going through drought because they have enough sunshine. We don't see any. And they are telling us we are going to employ millions of 
young people. So my worry is on their investment. If they can change their investment to sustainable development projects that need more finance, they are our future will be bright. But all this will come when we resist and keep pushing because a lot of projects have been put in place. Last year we saw uh, Jeff Bezos promised two billion to protect the forest, the Amazon. Where is the money? We can't see them. We are asking a lot and all this is ending in prejudice. So we want to change that. If all that change, our future is bright. That's why I still have hope because money is there. All we need is to remind them that we need the money. Show us the money. There's just money going into the wrong projects and into projects that all have an expiration date. As you said, if you if you mine gold, if you extract fossil fuels, you know, at some point the the pit where you mine the gold, it will be empty and then you have to create a next pit. And yeah. in in the wake of that destruction, you're just destroying an ecosystem that you could actually if you if you're able to work with that ecosystem instead of digging a huge pit where nothing can ever regrow. If you can harvest products from that forest, if you can um, provide ecotourism, and if if you can make the local economy be linked, that you know money and wealth and prosperity is there as long as the ecosystems are healthy, um, so that you have this dependence on one another, um, and that people actually sustain them themselves by working with natural ecosystems and keeping them healthy healthy then that would be a whole different uh picture um but yeah I, I thank you so much for for talking to me today it was it was very interesting to hear all of that and i want to remind people again that um if they if they want to if they have anything to give today they can click the link down below and support you in your um important work and um i i thank you for being so brave and um for you know continually taking climate action although it's at a great uh, personal risk Thank you so much for hosting me and I'm happy to speak to you too because you have a lot to share also and I've learned a lot. Thank you so much.